Let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 4. I am uh, definitely grateful to be back home. Uh, it was great, uh, great to be in St. Louis. I uh, had one day to kind of get myself gathered, a day and a half, and then I had to jump in the plane and head to uh, Central America. And uh, we had a really great trip in Costa Rica. Uh, the church there is uh, really grateful for you. They, they really are so grateful for all of you. And their, their gratitude is expressed in so many ways. Uh, and just even getting off the plane. I mean, you get off the plane there and they've got like half the church there just screaming and yelling and, and uh, literally with noisemakers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, all these people looking like who, like we're celebrities or something. But uh, it's just so encouraging and they host us and they just stay, they're so grateful for your generosity. I mean, you allow, when we collectively give, these trips happen and, and people's hearts are, are moved and and sometimes, you know, I don't realize the impact. It's, it's hard to know. Uh, but I remember Lynn told me the first day we were at the camp that we were, that we were doing for the kids. And uh, she said, Jeff, I saw a girl run up to Christy and, and, and with tears in her eyes, just within seconds of seeing Christy, I've been waiting all year for this camp. And uh, you just, wow. It just has a, it moves your heart to see what, how thirsty people are uh, just to really have these types of things that we put together so uh, rumor has it y'all saw a picture of me and Asinto on the screen uh, dressed up like uh, las abuelitas uh, the grandmothers yeah you ever been in a meeting when somebody brings something up and you kind of hope that everyone forgets that whole yeah, just, Hey, why don't you and Asinto dress up like grandmothers and do a fun skit for the kids? Yeah, yeah, okay. They didn't forget. In fact, hey, we have the wigs, we have everything here. Okay, amen. But we had a, we had a good time. Uh, I know we'll be sharing more extensively, but as Tom mentioned, we have a, a group that's still there, still doing Bible discussions on campus. Uh, many of those, half the team doesn't speak Spanish, so they're just on a campus speaking Spanglish and trying to do the best they can. Uh, but uh, many, many people have visited these Bible talks and Bible studies are happening. Nick Schaff is preaching the word this, this morning for the church there in a little while. So a lot of great things are happening, but thanks so much uh, for, your, for your generosity to make it happen. And uh, today I wanted to share uh, from God's word with you. I want to focus on Jesus today and uh, really his power and uh, what he is able to do and we're going to look at uh, one of the miracles that he uh, performed and also really look at the response to the miracle as I really feel like that can help us in our faith to see what G how Jesus handled people that didn't know how to handle him and know how to take uh, what the miracles really meant. And so we'll take a look at uh, Luke 4, but then we're going to go over and, and look at the miracle itself and the response and the interaction uh, between Jesus and those who witnessed the miracle. And my prayer is that hopefully this morning, this can give us some uh, spiritual encouragement, give us some, uh, hopefully challenge us, and hopefully help us to realize that, uh, that the one that we follow, the one who we call as Lord, is amazing. And uh, sometimes we need to be reminded of just how powerful and amazing he is and how that can affect you in your life today, right now as we live. And so hopefully the scriptures will give us that this morning. Uh, but I do want to say a word of prayer and uh, kind of want to piggyback a little bit on Tom. One of the sisters approached me 
uh, and gave me a, a prayer request that I don't think made it into the, to the newsletter either. So let's go ahead and, and pray to God together. <clears throat> Father, we are, uh, we are grateful to, to be able to, to sing songs uh, about you and uh, to ask for boldness, to uh, really ask for your heart to be with us, your spirit to be with us. And, and uh, Father, we want to be humble this morning and we want to allow the scriptures to move our hearts and to uh, change the way we think if need be, Father. And uh, I pray uh, specifically for the church in Costa Rica. I pray for all the brothers and sisters there and pray for all their friends and family that have come to church. I pray for Nick. Uh, help him as he preaches and uh, has a translator that can be challenging at times. Just give him, uh, help him to focus on the word and just let it go, Father. And, uh, but I do uh, specifically want to pray uh, with uh, Nancy uh, Graby uh, approached me uh, this morning and uh, said she kind of got the, the double whammy of uh, some bad news. And her, her brother, Bruce Graham, uh, diagnosed with ALS, Father. And I uh, know that's very challenging and debilitating uh, disease. And uh, Father, we also want to pray for her brother-in-law, Keith Purnell, who's uh, been diagnosed, uh, you know, with, uh, lymphoma. So, um, Father, it's just a tough time for her. I know she's hurting and pray that uh, the brothers and sisters can really encourage her and comfort her during this time. But we pray that, uh, Father, you can help these men uh, battle, uh, Father, uh, these diseases that are uh, ravaging their bodies, Father. And uh, pray they can cry out to you and seek help and comfort from you as well. And uh, Father, we do believe in your power. Uh, we do believe your power was uh, shown in an incredible way through Jesus in his life, uh, in his teachings, in his interactions, the, his, his miracles, uh, the way he, even the way he died and rose again, Father. Just, uh, we look to him for answers uh, even in our day and age today. So God, help use this time. Please I pray for your Holy Spirit to be powerful among us pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 4, and I think it's very helpful for me when I think of Jesus and even his miracles, and uh, this is a helpful passage in my opinion. It's Luke has, has recorded uh, really Jesus's kind of first public sermon that we know of, uh, according to Luke's gospel, and he goes back to his hometown in, in Nazareth. Uh, word had kind of gotten out a little bit of what he had been doing, but he hadn't really been to his, his hometown uh, where he grew up. And he, he, he went into the synagogue, and it was the custom to uh, allow traveling rabbis to, to speak. And, and so they gave Jesus the opportunity to, to speak at his hometown uh, synagogue. And so we, we pick it up here in Luke chapter 4, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse uh, 17, uh, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You say, what does this have to do with the miraculous and the miracles? I, I think it has a lot to do with it. 
You know, Jesus in this moment is making the claim that, you know, Isaiah who wrote 750 years ago, he wrote about who God was going to send. And not only who, but what that person was going to do. And he is, he is taking this scripture and applying it to his own life. You know, even before I was born, centuries before I was born, this scripture was written about me. You know, the spirit of, of, of God is on, on me. The God whom you are in this synagogue to, to worship, his spirit is on me. He has given me his spirit to, to preach the good news to the poor, to release people who are oppressed, help people see that have been blinded, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That, that's what I'm going to do. That is my ministry. That is why I'm here. I want you to know that. I want to go public with it right now. And the people did not really necessarily appreciate this message. And when you read later, they, they, they tried to run him out of town and literally kind of throw him off the hill. But we, we've got to see that, the, the, that Jesus had a specific mission. He wasn't just going around preaching sermons, trying to get people to be happy. He wasn't just healing somebody just because they needed a healing. You know, whenever he healed somebody, there was a reason for it. And, and John really helped us a lot with that. He always would call them miraculous signs, wouldn't he? The sign, they were a sign. It was just, it, yes, the miracle in the moment was powerful. And when it happened in that moment, and when everyone saw it, it had power, and it was incredible. But they were signs. You were supposed to see the miracle and go, oh my goodness, what does this mean? You weren't just supposed to look at the miracle and go, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Uh, Jesus, you're amazing. Can you come to my house and do it too? And I, you weren't just supposed to do that. You're supposed to go, wow, this is amazing. What does this mean? What, what can this mean? And the miracles, hopefully, you would remember what Jesus said. Look, I've come because the, God has sent me to, to release people that have been oppressed and in bondage and help the poor, help those who are in need. The miracles were a sign that God would break into our lives. He was willing to break into our time. And he was able to bring about a power that none of us could do on our own. And those miracles, that was a sign. It was a symbol. And it was a foretaste of what was to come. If Jesus could do this during his life, what could he do when he comes again. Wow. If he, if he could do this while he was living, what happens when he gets that resurrected power? And when he returns again, what will he be able to do when he breaks into our time? The miracles were powerful sign to give us hope in the future. Jesus could do it. He always came through. And he's going to come through again. And those are the, what the miracles really should point us to. And so I want to look at a miracle together in Luke chapter 11. I've read this a few times and it just, every time I said, I, I, I think I'm going to share it and then I wouldn't and then it just hit me. I said, I'm going to preach because I love this passage. In Luke chapter 11 and we'll start in verse 14. It says, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left the man who had been mute, when the demon left the man who had been mute, spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, 
by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. So let's stop there. This is a prime example of Jesus living out what he preached in Luke 4. This is what he came to do. Here's a man that's been taken over by a demon. And the demon has constricted his ability to speak. He can't even speak. And the scripture says he's a man. We don't know when this happened. It could have been when he was younger. I don't know. Maybe this is year after year. He couldn't speak. It wasn't that his mind wasn't able to, to tell his vocal cords to produce words. That wasn't his problem. His problem was that he had a, a demonic possession within him that could, wouldn't allow him to. He was in bondage. He, had, he was not free. And so Jesus drives out the demon. The man speaks. People are amazed. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. However, some people weren't amazed. You know, this should have been universally praised. Come on, people. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? This was a no-brainer right here. This should have been easy. I mean, everybody, everybody this should unquestionable. Wow, this is amazing. Jesus, wow, you know what? I may not like the way you dress and all that, or where you're from, but I can't deny it. That's amazing. I mean, that, that's what should have happened. But no, it wasn't what happened. You know, don't you just wish you could see Jesus in the flesh doing these types of things? Man, I wish I could. I wish I could see him perform these miracles. But you know what? His time to do that has passed. Uh, he, is, he is at the right hand of the Father. He's waiting to come back. But guess what? He left us his spirit. And he left you and me here to do even greater things, right? Amen to that? So we may not see Jesus in the flesh walking around, but all of us can bring a little bit of Jesus into the world that we're around. And hopefully, hopefully amaze people. Now, we may not be able to help somebody that can't speak, speak again. We, we may not be able to do that. But you know, we can help people. And we can help a miracle of sorts happen in their lives. We got to still believe that that can happen. You know what? But here's the deal. Some of these guys are saying, oh, you know what? That's not true. And when a, some may even have the, the audacity to say that by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And then somebody tested him asking for a sign from heaven. That's what you just go, what in the world? I'm not even going to deal with that one today. You know what I mean? Jesus even took a while to deal with that one. Now, that's ridiculous. But I do want to focus on this first one for a second. Beelzebub. You know, your, your study Bible might have a note. Oh, the Lord of the flies. That's what it kind of means. Uh, but one of, a couple of the places that I was looking at actually said that the Lord of the flies was more something that the Jews would say about this God of the Philistines. It was a derogatory term that they were calling this God of the Philistines, the Lord of the flies, even the Lord of dung, is what the, the Jews would call this Philistine God. But to the Philistine, if you were a Philistine worshiping this God, the name meant the Lord of the lofty place, the Lord of the high dwelling. That's what they would call Beelzebub. But these Jews are like, you know what, by the prince of demons, you are driving out demons. What's their argument? Well, since you're obviously not with God, 
then you must be with the enemy. And your ability to drive out demons, since it doesn't come from God, it obviously comes from this pagan God. And uh, you're in league with the demons, and that's how you're casting them out. So, on verse 17, Jesus knew their thoughts. I love that about it. I mean, that's just awesome. That's kind of scary, but it's awesome. <laughs> if you were with, standing there, Jesus, I know you know what I'm thinking. Man, okay, amen. Jesus knew their thoughts. And in verse 17, he said to them, you know, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? And I'm saying this because you're claiming that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. I mean, Jesus is basically saying that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, usually you guys will come out with a lawyer or somebody, give me something good, but this is ridiculous. If I'm in the league with demons, why in the world would I want to get rid of the demons? It makes no sense. If I'm dealing with Satan, if I'm dealing with him, and here's a guy who, who some of his demons have taken over. They, they possessed this guy. They've triumphed over his life. They got him in bondage. They are winning the game with this guy. Why in the world, if I'm on their team, am I going to kick him out and reverse the effects of what they've done? It's a stupid argument. I mean, he didn't say it that way, but I think he was... <laughs> it's stupid. Satan's not going to drive himself out. That would mean his kingdom's falling. He wouldn't do that. I appreciate Jesus. He wouldn't let it stop there. Appreciate him in verse 19. Then he goes, oh, wait a minute. So, now if I'm driving out demons by Beelzebub, then who do your followers drive their demons out by? I appreciate that one, right? Because if they, what are they going to say? If they say, well, our followers drive out demons by Beelzebub. <laughs> then Jesus would be like, idiot, you know? See? Or if they go, well, by God, by, by God, our, our followers drive demons out. Then why in the world won't you acknowledge mine then? How, how come yours are the only people that can drive out demons be from God? He just painted them in a corner. I mean, it was great. I love how Jesus does that. You try to think you're so smart to Jesus, and in like two sentences, you're just on the, fl on the floor. You're, you're doing... <laughs> then I appreciate what he says next. He goes, you know, verse 20, but if I drive out demons by, what does it say in your translation? The finger of God. Interesting. Interesting. But if I drive out demons by what? Finger of God. And you probably have a little footnote in your Bible where the finger of God was first mentioned. And some of you are familiar with the scripture. Some of you I know aren't, and that's fine. Glad you're here. But there was a time when God's people were enslaved. And they were in captivity in Egypt. And there was a very strong person in charge, Pharaoh. And he wanted to keep God's people enslaved and in bondage. He did not want them to go. But God had decided it was time for his people to be freed. But since Pharaoh was so hard-hearted, God had to go to extreme measures to get Pharaoh's attention. And he sent multiple, what were called plagues, on Egypt to really demonstrate his power 
over all the Egyptian so-called gods, but to also get Pharaoh's attention, I mean business. I'm here to set my people free, and I've sent Moses and Aaron to do the job. So God sends a couple of plagues, but Pharaoh had some magicians. And the first couple of plagues, guess what? Pharaoh's magicians could kind of replicate it. And so Pharaoh's like, ah, no big deal. But then all of a sudden, God decided to take the sand and turn it into gnats. And there were gnats everywhere. And Pharaoh's magicians could not replicate. They couldn't replicate that miracle. And in Exodus chapter 8, Verse 19, it says, since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he wouldn't listen. This is the finger of God. Interesting context for Jesus to bring up the finger of God thing again. Could it be that Jesus is making an allusion here <laughs> to himself being similar to Moses? Hey, Moses was trying to set God's people free from bondage. And he was trying to use miraculous signs to do it, but there was so much hard-heartedness around him. But at some point, you better acknowledge that this isn't just something people can do. On, this is from God, the finger of God. Could it be that Jesus brought this back up knowing full well where that was in Scripture? Could it be that Luke 4, said, look, I have come to set people free. This, this man that was deaf and mute, I've come to set him free. And this is the, I, I, am, I am operating not under Satan, but this is the finger of God. God's always been trying to carve out a people for himself. And to set them free from bondage. God's been doing that for a long time, people. Open up your Bibles. There's always been opposition to him. And there always will be. Sometimes the battle here and there might be lost. But you better have faith who's going to win ultimately. Amen? Jesus said, if I'm doing these things by the finger of God, then guess what? You better wake up because that means something. It means that the kingdom of God is on you right now. That the kingdom of God has come upon you. What does that mean? It means a lot of things. But to put it simply, it's hey, the reign of God is here. We don't have to wait for it. It's here right now. Jesus said, where my presence is, I'm the king. I am the king. I'm the Messiah king. I'm the one that's, so where the king is, that's where the kingdom is. So I'm the king. I'm doing this by God's power and not by Satan's power. But I don't think they understood him fully. And I really appreciate this next part. Verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. Who's the strong man? Who's he talking about? Strong man, guarding his house. His possessions are safe. The strong man is Satan. His demons. All right? That's who the strong man is. You ever see the strong man in your life? In your heart? I've seen the strong man in my heart. 
You know, the strong man, Satan, he's strong. <laughs> and he's fully armed. And when he, and when he, when he wants you, he's going to try to take over. You ever seen a strong man in your life? In your heart? I've seen the strong man in my heart. When I want to get angry sinfully, right? Right? When I want to, when I want to get selfish, lazy, whatever. The strong man can get, hey, the strong man can get me. I've seen the strong man in my marriage. I've seen him. He wants to take over my marriage. He wants me to be emotionally selfish. He wants, me to, he wants me to think about all the things my wife's not doing right. Keep a record of wrongs to justify my own behavior. I've seen the strong man in my own marriage. Have you? Have you? I've seen the strong man in my family. I've seen the strong man try to get my young daughters against each other, disrespecting each other, saying things that shouldn't be said. I've seen the strong man in my family. Have you? I've seen the strong man in this world. Have you seen him in Munich? In Baton Rouge? Have you seen him in Kabul? I got an email from one of our brothers in Bangladesh. Terrorism striking right in his neighborhood. The strong man is everywhere. He's strong. Have you seen him? Greed. Sex trafficking. Nice, France. The strong man is everywhere. But Jesus said in verse 22, but when someone stronger. You tell me who he's talking about. <laughs> when someone stronger attacks the strong man. Who is he talking about? He's talking about himself. If you couldn't understand the other stuff, maybe you can understand this. When, the, when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. I appreciate this part of the passage. I like how the stronger, the stronger man doesn't even have to wait. He's not staking out the house waiting until the strong man leaves. He just stepping right up. Broad daylight. I'm taking what's yours, bruh. You ain't stronger than me. That's who Jesus is. That's who he is. He's the stronger man. He's the stronger man. But what does this matter in the real world that we live in? Well, I'm trying to tell you, people. Open your eyes. There's evil everywhere. But Jesus came to drive that out. He's not in league with it. He's trying to drive it out. And he's stronger. And one day he ultimately will. But until then, we have to deal with this evil that's around us. 
And the strong man is strong. But my goodness, people, let's, let's attribute the, the craziness and the evil in this world to the right person. It's not Jesus. It's the strong man. The strong man was the one that went into the church in Charleston. That was the strong man. Same one that was up on the roof in Dallas. That was the strong man. Same person that would be willing to put a bomb around him and walk into a crowded place and blow it up. That's a strong man. We got to know who that is. The spiritual forces of evil in this world. But I think some of us get tripped up. And we stop truly believing in the stronger man. That's my fear, brothers and sisters. In our attendance at church, we are very amen. And some of you are like, amen. 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 Right? Outreach, proclaiming the message of the good news. Eh, maybe if I get around to it. People's lives toe up all around you. You just can't muster up the selflessness to engage. Citing many excuses that you feel justify what you're really doing is, I believe, when we just sit around and don't get off on the offense with the message of the stronger man, you know what I think? I think bad things start happening. And we actually start believing in other powers that can defeat the strong man. Politics. Social activist groups. I had a brother approach me yesterday. I had one brother approach me yesterday, a white brother. I had a black brother send an email. I was in Costa Rica. I just got to it. Both of them saying the same thing. Both of them saying the same thing. It's very interesting to me. Both are mentioning social media and seeing Christian people on social media with strong statements about social issues that are going, I mean, strong statements. Political party affiliation, you know, uh, social activist group, whatever. Posting strong stuff as if Whatever group they affiliate with has the power to eradicate all the problems in the world. But yet won't go out in the world, won't even go to your neighbor and open up your mouth about Jesus, the stronger man that takes rid of it all. That don't make no sense. It doesn't make any sense. You need to check yourself. You need to filter your social activism through Jesus. Being the strongest of them all. That is the message that will ultimately defeat whatever's happening in this world. Trump, Pence can't do it. Clinton, Kane can't do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? NATO can't do it. The United Nations appreciate it. They can't do it either. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well-meaning, blue lives matter, black lives, everybody, yellow lives, everybody life matter. 
but they can't change the world because the strong man is stronger. He's been around longer, but the stronger one's coming back. The stronger one's coming back. The stronger one's coming back. And guys, that's the only hope we got. We're with the stronger guy. So in your life, settle up to the stronger guy. Go out in this world with his message. Release the oppressed. Help the poor. In the name of Jesus. And in, the, in, 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 in your social activism, don't take off your Christian hat and put some other hat on. Leave your Christianity off. Clothe yourself with Christ. Go out in this world and tell him he's our only hope. Amen. That's all I know.